0: Okay, thanks for letting me come interview you today. So we'll start out with your name. My name Ruth Ferris, and thank you for choosing me. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, did you go to high school in Marshfield? Yes, I did. I graduated in 1950. In fact, we have already observed our 50-year reunion with our classmates coming back for a celebration. Did a lot of them come back for that? Yes. I can't. Oh, probably about uh, two thirds of the living members uh, returned for the uh, for the celebration, and we had a celebration the night before, and everyone got together and just visited and everything. Then uh, went for our picture taking at five o'clock. Then we went to the banquet, and then we returned to the VFW hall downtown and just visited again as long as anyone wanted to stay that evening. It was really fun some people had not been back since we graduated. Oh wow. And we had changed. (laughs) Some we did not know.
1: (laughs) Okay so was the high school the same building it was
0: today? Yes yes it is. Of course it's um, been repainted and it's been added on to you know we didn't have uh, the new gymnasium then we just used what now is the old auditorium for um, basketball and everything that was just it wow well. <laughs> but it, it was pretty it was the same building yeah okay
1: um what were some of the local stores around town
0: well we had lots of grocery stores you know like we had a and b <laughs> and piggly weekly and stores like that and and sometimes there would be like two grocery stores in a box and we had several grocery stores out in the residential area because at that, you know, a long time ago, now this was even before, this was before I was in high school, but not everyone had a car a long time ago. And I think that was the reason for these local stores because they walked to the grocery store and picked up a few groceries for their daily food. But then when I was in high school, we had, uh, we had the A and P store downtown, and we had three small butcher shops, you know, with fresh meat and, and everything. But we did. There was not the stores like Pringers or Walmart mm-hmm. or anything like that now, where you have such a variety. Yeah. And and at that time too, a lot of people had their own gardens and they canned vegetables and and oh. prepared for the winter and probably didn't buy as many canned goods and made bread. My mom made. Made bread for us, homemade bread. Mm -hmm. So we just didn't have to buy a lot of those things. Um,
1: Were there any other churches, or like, were there less churches back then, or have new ones come to town since then?
0: I I imagine that there were fewer churches then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, the Catholic Church has been here. From the beginning, because of, it. and then we had the uh, the Baptist, the Christian, the Methodist, Assembly uh, of God, and uh, I think at one time there was a, maybe a Presbyterian church. But um, now there, you know, we have the Church of God and um, three Baptist churches, and a lot more churches than a long time ago. That anyway that I'm aware of. Was the Catholic school always here? The Catholic school, yes, they even had a um, high school. Really? Now, I don't know when we're having a high school, but uh, my son-in-law's father graduated from the Catholic high school here in town. I'm not sure where the high school was, but uh, there was a Catholic school right behind where the news office business uh, office is mm-hmm. on the corner of Kansas Avenue. It was on right behind that on East Gracious Street. It was a large brick building. I don't think they had high school in this school at all. Mm-hmm. all
1: right. Um Okay, what did you and your friends do for fun, like on weekends or never?
0: Well, we were fortunate. I think more fortunate than young people are now, even though everyone now has a car and can go someplace in their car. Uh-huh. And we did not have that. We had foleys And uh, it is located where Roy Cable has his, uh, oh, I think it's sort of a welding shop and a metal shop. and. Uh, It was just a small place, but there was a dance area with a jukebox in it and booths around the sides, and Mrs. Foley was the widow lady. She was very strict. She didn't mind telling you that you had to go home if you didn't behave, and uh, we respected her for that, and she had a gas pump there where you could get gas, and then all around her was Foley's Orchard. So, that's kind of what she did for a living. I'm sure she didn't make any money on us kids, but she was just open for us every night. That's cool. I wish we had and something like that. I do too. I do too, yeah. because I have so many memories of Follies. you know, we had such a good time there, and the Brookfield boys would come over, mm-hmm. and the Marceline boys didn't like it, and so they would fight in the orchard, <laughs> and we oh would cheer goodness. them on, <laughs> and it was it was really fun, and Mrs. Foley became such a dear person to all of us because we, even though we were young, I graduated from high school when I was 16, so we were young, but I knew that that, to respect that lady, so uh, that was our fun place to go, and, and uh, we were just fortunate to have it. I wish you all did. I
1: know, I wish we did too. <laughs> um, okay, so what were some of the local restaurants and where was your favorite
0: 15? Well, we didn't have any fancy restaurants, but we had just some small restaurants of town, probably three or four, and uh, loved to uh, just go in. It seemed to me like that the hamburgers tasted so much better in a restaurant. Than, they, than what my mom made, so it was a treat to go to town and have hamburgers and, uh, and uh, french fries or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I was the junior in high school, I began working at a little restaurant and I made 25 cents an hour. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: And, but I really kind of thought I was rich at the end of the week <laughs> <laughs> and that, that bought a lot. <laughs> but uh, I worked in this restaurant on Friday and Saturday nights mm-hmm. and uh, met a lot of interesting people. And uh, so that kind of was my favorite place after that, and it was tiny. Just maybe a couple of tables and, and a counter with some uh, stools, there. Mm-hmm. But And we wouldn't be very busy all evening. But let the show, see we had double feature shades on Friday and Saturday night. So you had to stay until the show was out because that was when a lot of your business came in. You know, and people would come in and eat a hamburger and drink coffee and stuff after the show. So that was, what was that called? Scott's debate. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. What were some things that the town did for holiday celebrations? Like we have peanut night now and...
0: We didn't have anything like Peanut Night, but um, the Fourth of July was the big thing in Marsling, and I, at that time, all the little towns around didn't have a celebration. Mm-hmm. It was Marsling, and thousands of people. Now that's the honest truth. Thousands of people came to Marsling <laughs> for the Fourth of July, and I loved it. I can remember. We lived in the country when I was a little girl, and my dad would drive up over the overhead bridge, and I would look down at that carnival. I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> and they had a lot of different rides. You know, we had swings, mm-hmm. and they were on a big pole, and they went around. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I can remember my mom telling that one time, one of those swing, swings came loose with a oh person gosh. in it. And then what? And then, of course, we had huge, it seemed huge to me. They're probably bigger now, but... Ferris wheels and one time a man was, got on the Ferris wheel and he was intoxicated and he fell out. Oh and he It killed him. So you yeah. know you have to be so careful about things like that. But that didn't mar your uh, your celebration. I mean, the Fourth of July was just beautiful. Really. There was big celebrations and lots of people, lots of family gatherings. that the Party in the park. I can remember <clears throat> once or twice um, they tried having it down at the ball field, mm-hmm. but it just it just wasn't the same. And not only that, you didn't have a solid ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you felt like it when you were in some of those rides that the ground was giving <laughs> with you a little. Mm-hmm. I think maybe only one or two years and then it, they took it right back uptown. Yeah, People know. objected, they liked it uptown. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so did you know anyone that went on to be in the government or a high position like that?
0: No. Uh, well, not anyone in that I was acquainted with. You know, you you would meet some of the people who did, but not any friend or personal acquaintance. Okay. Okay. So, did you
1: have any stories about Walt Disney?
0: Well. Just, you know, a long time ago you sort of heard of Walt Disney and then he began coming back to Marceline and uh, of course his family, we all knew his family, moved here in 1906 and then moved on to Kansas City a short time later because his parents just felt like they needed to for the livelihood of their family. And uh, then when he began coming back to Marceline to uh, dedicate we uh, came to dedicate the swimming pool and the and the school and different things like that. You know, it was an exciting time. And and one time I remember I got his autograph, mm-hmm. and I got Mrs. Disney's autograph. And I understand that Walt Disney's autograph is pretty high price now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to keep that under lock and key. <laughs> but he was a very gracious man. You know, I could. Of course, he loved. He had to or he couldn't have been in the business he was in, you know, doing all the films and the comedies and, and everything that he did. So when he would come to town, the children were around him all the time and he was never... I, I just had to, to wonder at the patience he had, you know, and, and uh, of I, I guess he probably did this every day and every day, mm-hmm. but it was really special to the children of Marceline for him to come and, and to take the interest he did. He sent the flagpole from the school from Squall Valley Olympics. Oh, and, uh, uh, Uh-huh, and, uh, you know, when the school was built and they asked that we named the school after you, he, he sent an artist to do those uh, paintings that are mm-hmm. in the old gym. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, in the gym, in the Disney school. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So uh, you know, it was an exciting time, and it was a sad time when Walt Disney passed on. Because I think that we had some hopes that maybe something would come. Um, Marceline would became would become famous mm-hmm. because of him, and he sort of encouraged us in that thinking yeah. because he would uh, uh, he would talk about a museum here or. We had some people purchase some land, mm-hmm. and they uh, they had an option on this land, because we thought we something would come of it, but then he passed on, and his family didn't have the pool and the tub that that he had for most of them, because they weren't, they weren't familiar with it, they had not lived here, yeah. so they really didn't have it in
1: Okay, so were the trains more active then and where did
0: they go? Well, uh, a long time ago we had a lot more trains. You know, Marceline, that's how Marceline became was because of the uh, Santa Fe going through here. They brought people in to build the tracks. It was a uh, good employment. And they would, uh, right now they go from Chicago to California. And at one time, Marceline was the place where they changed crews. And uh, you you got on the train at Fort Madison, Iowa, and you got off at Marceline and stayed overnight or, or maybe so many hours. You had to have so many rest hours and then you would get on the train and work back to Fort Madison, or you would get on the train at Marceline and work to Kansas City, rest there, and come back to Marceline. We had lots of railroad uh, families in town, and now Marceline is no longer the hub for changing crews, so they work from Fort Madison to Kansas City. And because of this, so many families who have lived here for years have moved either to Kansas City or Fort Madison, Iowa because of the employment. There are still a few who drive uh, to work and then have to drive home, but um, more and more people have just, if they haven't retired, they've just gone on to uh, uh, to move to one of these places. Uh, also because of of the railroad, we needed fuel for the railroad. So that was where they began looking for uh, oil or something that could fuel these trains and they found that Marceline was built on coal mines. So this was another uh, group of people who moved to Marceline. A lot of them were Italian people and they had um, a part of the town that was called the Coal Miners Town. And that's where these people lived who came into town. (laughs) They were the coal miners and they lived in a certain section of town. And we had a section of town that the Italians lived in. And we weren't just... um, we, We had lots of nationalities here for a long time. A lot of Mexican families came in because of the railroad. So uh, I think that's why the population was much larger during this time because the coal fueled the trains. So they would have to work in the coal mines all day and uh, get the coal out so that they could put it on the trains when the trains stopped to and then that's what got the train to Kansas City. That was their fuel. That's cool. Um, did you guys ever take
1: trains to Kansas City for like, the
0: night or anything? I never did like with my family but uh, we had a train that was called the Doodle Bud. (laughs) Do you remember? I heard about it, yeah. I rode it two or three times and it was (laughs) neat. Mostly it was a free train for railroaders Mm families. So they would get on this train and they would ride to Kansas City and do their shopping. Especially the railroader's wives, it, was, it would be mostly women on the train going through the day, you know, having a good time. And I went with my sister-in-law and she bought her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. So we got on the train and honestly that thing stopped at every crossroads. I think between here and Kansas City because people getting on and then coming back, it would stop to let them off. But it was really a fun trip. And uh, And we walked then from Union Station Mm -hmm. to some of the stores downtown, did our shopping, got back to Union Station in time to ride home, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. But now? Yeah, the trains, I did not I never rode. I don't know, I wish I had something like that. The dual bug was fun. It just chugged along. It was just a little old train that sometimes coming back the, the people would have so many packages that you could already find the seat. Mm. Everybody was just holding gobs of packages and everything. I always kind of envied. I wish my dad had worked for the railroad so I could ride the doodle bug all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was free to them.
1: Cool. Um, okay next. Um, who were some of your friends and teachers?
0: There's that um, still live around here? Well, I have, I have a lot of friends that I went to school with who, who do live here, you know. Peggy Hamilton's is a, a real good friend, and Mona White, we went to school together. Gloria Cable and uh, just lots of people that are still in wrestling that I went to school with. Not so many teachers. Most of our teachers, if they were younger teachers, they moved on, just like teachers do today, to yeah. a bigger school and those things. You know, of uh, one teacher I can remember, uh, Mrs. Yeah. Well, her name is Switzer then, but it's Mrs. Miller Carpenter now. She she married while we were in oh, maybe junior high, and her husband, she and her husband owned a bank in Rockville. In fact, her family still owns the Rothville Bank here in Mars Lane and, oh, and Rothville. And, uh, I see her fairly often and have a note from her now and then, you know. Oh, she was, uh, she's my seventh and eighth grade teacher. That's cool.
1: Okay, uh, what did your parents do for a living?
0: My father was a farmer and, uh, we lived in the country until probably I was in the fifth grade maybe, or maybe early part of my sixth grade. My dad caught an arm in a sawmill uh, belt and it damaged his arm and he, he was crippled and in and out of the hospital for. Uh, through the next farming season and my mom and brother put out the crops and everything and then they decided that they could not stay on the farm anymore dad would think, and be able to, to farm mm-hmm. like he had and and so we uh dad had kind of started learning to be an auctioneer and mm-hmm. he did not go to school he just taught himself and he would just pick one of us two and set us up on a fence or anything and he'd sell us. You know, we belonged to everybody in the country because he'd say so to," whatever one of our neighbors His name was, you know, and everything. He practiced on us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after we moved to town, he did that for an occupation and, and he was a good auctioneer. He was yeah, busy every day. He had, because at that time there were community sales and he would go to uh, the field on Friday and he would go to Brunswick on Monday and he went to China, Missouri on Tuesday and he had a sale almost every day and that was his living. And then my mom, he would have on sale a lot of times, he just have furniture sales in for residents of Marceline and my mom worked those days and so that's... That's what he did, farmed and was a well share. And he was I st- still love even though you would think we all had to go because they didn't leave us at home by ourselves. So you'd always have to go to the sales you would think I hated them. But I love a sale. It's just in my blood. I love to go to auctions. <laughs>
1: um, what did some of your friends' parents you do? Mm-hmm were a lot of them
0: on the railroad and uh, some of them yes some of them were railroaders one of my friends uh, dad was in the Brick's Cup Chevrolet garage here mm-hmm. um, one of my good friends uh, dad worked for the city of Los Angeles some of, some of them were farmers um, some of them you know worked at Woolsworth even you know just at that time, Wallsworth was in the yearbook business and some of them worked there. Some of them worked in a grocery store. You know, mm-hmm. Mostly, of <laughs> several of them worked for railroads.
1: <laughs> okay, um, what was the uh, population of Marsling?
0: Well, uh, a long time ago, it, well, in 1910, The population of Marsland was Mm 3,920. And then between the year, that was what it was when the census was taken then. Mm -hmm. Then between 1910 and 1970, the the town lost 1,300 residents. They moved away, Um, probably. The coal mining. Maybe. Maybe. Probably wasn't near as many coal mines, coal mining people and then um the railroad families begin to leave here and uh, i think marceline's population now is between 2300 and 2500 mm-hmm. be nice if it was like 1910 again mm-hmm. in population not yeah, <laughs> those people had to work and live <laughs> but um, i wish that we could but yeah. the northern or Missouri is yeah. continually loses population. There's just nothing to no industry, no. no anything to draw them to this area and we continue to go down in population. Okay, um...
1: Were there any, what, what catastrophes or natural, natural,
0: natural disasters that are being The tornado in 71 is probably, yeah. Okay, back to the tornado. Okay. I had never experienced anything like this. (laughs) Okay, back to
1: the tornado.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Unless you've experienced the winds like a tornado, it's just something else. I was, this was in 1971 and our son was a senior and at that time the Band Booster Mothers uh, prepared a prom dinner for the prom goers. So I had picked up, oh I don't know how many turkeys to deliver around to Band Booster Mothers So we could cook these turkeys to take them for this dinner. And I uh, was out delivering those when the winds began to blow and the rain and I thought well I'd left a child at home so I thought I better go home and check on her. And it's a good thing I did because where I was going with the last turkeys was where the tornado went through and actually tore up homes and there was trees down across the roads. I would have never got out to have Mm got home and uh, there was just windows blown out now our house was not damaged at all we didn't have any trees down it was more in the south west part of town and it actually blew homes off their foundations and broke out uh, windows and uh, it was a it was a terrible thing I, no one was killed or anything like that we were very fortunate in that respect and then <laughs> less well this year, the ice storm. I had never experienced anything like the ice storm we had. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, I just stood at our back window and watched a a huge mulberry tree in our yard break off in pieces and one piece crashed on top of our neighbor's shed Mm -hmm. and I felt like a yo-yo the next morning when I got up because I'd been up and down so many times. Looking out that door to see, because I just knew that these big limbs, one of them I had visions of it coming through our house and one of them through the neighbor's house. And I was so thankful the next morning when uh, the wind began to lay a little bit and it, the weather got warmer and you could hear the ice dripping off. But our backyard looked like a war zone. You could not even walk in it. So did ours. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was a kid and we lived in the country, we had lots of snow then. but And I can remember my parents talking about ice, but not not about it falling, the trees falling and everything mm-hmm. like this. Um, they, they talked about putting on ice skates and ice skating in the roads. But uh, of course we couldn't have done that. I think we could have bicycled in our yard if we'd had a <laughs> place large enough. We wouldn't have a place large enough. No, I think. No. Um, okay, so did they still have the bell game back then? Yes, and the bell game was held in the afternoon on Armistice Day afternoon. School was dismissed, the stores closed in town, everybody mm-hmm. went to the bell game, mm-hmm. and it was fun. I, I know probably he couldn't do things like that now, but it was really fun to do that. Then, everybody went, and uh, it was uh, uh, very competitive. It was much more competitive than it is now, I think. I think that the kids really do care if they win. The bell game is the big game to win, even yet, but at that time, it was fights. We, did, we weren't destructive, we didn't, you know, do anything to harm anyone, it's just that the teams fought among themselves mm-hmm. and uh, if you went to Brookfield a couple of nights before the game you just knew that there was going to be a fight and if they came here you knew there was going to be a fight and then as soon as the game was over there were fights mm-hmm. because whoever won stayed in town, whatever town it was. and and you know just they just fight town, and the police would come by and they just sort of understood that this was part of the bell game and they said they'd say okay boys break it up let's go home mm-hmm. and they it was just part of part of the life then you know they didn't haul you off to jail or <laughs> to the police station or anything they just expected it and you know they pretty well minded you know, when, they, when they'd say, break it up, they would do it. But uh, just lots of fights then, you know. Did it still um, alternate between Marshley and Brookville? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For the bell. For the same bell. For the same bell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um, So, did you and your friends ever go to Brookfield, like, on the weekends or
0: anything? Oh, we went to Brookfield every chance we had. <laughs> <laughs> there was a place sort of like Foley's, only it was a pal on Main Street and it was called Slicks, and they had sandwiches and Cokes, and I remember, and there was booths all around the walls of that building, and a jukebox, and above those booths were mirrors, you know, and you watched, you could watch yourself dance. <laughs> well, we would go, we'd meet at Foley's, and of course, we didn't have a car, but one of our friend's brother had a car, and if we could chip in, we could take five or six in the car, we'd chip in a nickel a piece, or a dime a piece, and we could uh, buy 25 cents worth of gas at Foley's, and that would get us to Brookville and back. And then we'd have 25 cents to put in the jukebox once we got there, and that plate if you put in 25 cents at a time, you got six songs. So we would put the quarter in, and get six songs, and we never sat down until those were gone. And the Brookfield girls would just go sit in the booth and look at us. They hated for us to be there, and we, you know, we we were teasers. I know, I know we were, because, you know, we made them mad. that was one of our purposes for going. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we just weren't very well liked at all. <laughs> but uh, that was if we could get if we could get fifty cents between all of us and get to Brookville. That was our delight. That I mean mm-hmm. that made our weekend, <laughs> and it was fun. That's cool. And
1: uh-huh. that's
0: where I met my husband. at Slicks. that's Slicks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came, to Foley's. <laughs>
1: Um. So did you know the Zercher people who owned the Zercher building? Mm-hmm.
0: They were such lovely people uh, when I knew them, uh, well they had a daughter who was maybe a year or two younger than me in high school and uh, I knew them through Hazel, but that building, the way it sits on the corner there, is there is a building in Disneyland in California that is a replica of that building, and if you ever go there and look at it, you will know exactly. You can pick it <laughs> out; it's just obvious as it can be. And uh, because Walt Disney remembered that building when he lived here, I, I guess, guess you know. And because it's it's right there, and but when it was built, it was just a one-story building. Now now it takes that block from the. From Kansas Avenue back to the alley, but when Mr. When it was first built, it was a one-story building, and then they added the second floor for a lodge building. I don't know if Mr. Searcher owned the lodge. I mean, was a lodge member and wanted wanted. I don't know about that part, but it was a lodge hall, and then and the first floor downstairs was the jewelry store and gifts and uh, dishes. Fiesta Dishes and Crystal, oh, it was a neat store. And Mr. Searcher worked all the time in the store. And they usually had one other lady. And I can remember going in there, you know, with not much money, but wanted to buy a gift. And you never came out without your gift. Now, unless you just had something in your particular mind that cost too much. But if you went in and said, held out your hand with maybe a little money and you said, Mm This is what I have and I want to buy a gift for my mom or something. Mrs. Searcher always found a gift that you liked for that much money. It was really neat. She was just such a nice lady. Well, he was too. And uh, so uh, I loved that store and I, I, I loved them. They were just nice people as they could be. So years later, they decided to build onto the back of the store and they built it back to the alley. Put an upstairs above it, and I think they rented out the back for different um, purposes, different things I don't know. And they lived upstairs. Their family, as maybe at some time they had a house, but only place I can ever remember the Zercher family living was up over their store. They had an apartment up there, and uh, they lived there. And and the back of the store then was made into. Apartments for people, and of course, um, the fire this month. Um, I I just I couldn't even go to town that night and look at it when I heard that that building was on fire, and I just knew it was all crumbled in and everything. And when I went to town the next morning and saw that the front of that building was still standing and really wasn't damaged too bad, that was oh that I was so happy. I oh, know I didn't. want The this. back of it is. Is a loss, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they'll have to tear it down a lot. But the main part of the building and the part that the Disney store is like and everything, and even the searcher sign was still hanging up over the door and wasn't even smoked. <laughs> so it's just meant to be that that building still stands. And then another interesting that building in town was Mrs. Reese's confectionery. And you know, I think that the young people now miss out a lot because. Um, they just don't have anything like this to go to. It was it wasn't anything fancy. She had beautiful old glass, kind of large jars, uh, with lids on them and everything. And she had loose candy in those that you, if you only had a couple pennies, you could go and buy candy. Yeah and then she had uh, real pretty dishes that she served you in you know none of this paper stuff and she had booths along the side and little round tables with chairs in the middle and then in the back you went up two or three steps and there was sort of a little landing up there and that was a very special place you didn't get to go up there all the time but um, we had eighth grade graduations at that time and uh, we would always go there for special things like that yep. and have uh, green rivers and wine coolers. No, not wine coolers. <laughs> Gosh. Wine, wine, green. Something was wine, something, and green, green rivers. I and mean, then she made the Dusty Miller famous in Marseille, and nobody can match Mrs. Reese's Dusty Miller. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, she made her own chocolate. She beat that stuff, you know, with just, she just knew how to do it. And they were wonderful. Everybody Mm -hmm. came from all around for Mrs. Reese's Dusty Miller. she made homemade chicken salad sandwiches that were scrumptious, And uh, when you got to go up the steps onto the little landing, you know, that was a special time. Like if you had a special date or something like that, you know, or, You know you would go up there in an argument and get it settled you know and kiss and make up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she was just a nice old lady and then she just got too old to her daughter had never married the story is told that she had a boyfriend a long time ago and her mom just said you can't leave me you know her dad had died and her mom needed her Mm -hmm. and and the boyfriend went on with his life and uh, years later they got back together and she just said mom i'm going you know i'm i want to marry him this time mm-hmm. i'm going to mm-hmm. and uh, so and mrs reese couldn't do it by herself and she was so old by that time that she shouldn't have been even doing it with her daughter yeah so uh, the daughter married and and uh, moved away and had a couple of children of her own and moved back to Marceline. But she is not here right at the present time. In fact, I don't even know if she's still living. But uh, that was a fun place to go. And, and I just wish the young people had some place like that to go now. It was very yeah, special. They just don't have a special place to go like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do a lot of things that that we didn't do. You know, mm-hmm. things that you do now, are really special to you that we never dreamed of doing so you know i guess i shouldn't wish that too much because you have a lot of things that we don't have and you go a lot of places we don't have and you have cars and we didn't have Mm -hmm. so you know i guess i just wish you could have experienced some of those things along with these Mm
1: -hmm. okay so do you know anything about the lady in white?
0: well Just a little uh, story. uh, The story's told that there was a woman who was pregnant and had a baby by a railroad engineer. And he, uh, I don't know, I don't know why this happened. The lady disappeared. And of course the thought was that this railroad engineer was the one that uh, Killed her and did something with her and the baby, Mm -hmm. and the story was told that maybe she was put in a well because the body was never found, and or maybe yeah. Then the story was told that she was taken to a Mm -hmm. funeral home and was kept in a vat of something, you know, for a while, and nobody claimed her, Mm -hmm. and she was buried, but nobody knew where. Well, her. uh, she well, she began to show up supposedly mm-hmm. at this hole in the wall cafe, which was above this well. Yeah. And they said it was very hard for them to keep help there because there was a cellar under this building, see. And um, if the uh, help had to go to the basement or anything to down to the cellar to get anything, mm-hmm. you know they never worked again after that night because they swore that there was something there and then things began happening to the rail- to railroaders at a certain day at a certain time like one of the railroaders was uh, coming on the train either from or to Rothville Missouri and that it's wide open territory mm-hmm. and at that time they used to have to you know those little ladders on the side of the train, well they had to climb up those and do something to the top of the train. Well the story's told that this man was raked off and killed, but there wasn't a tree, there was nothing that could rake him off. He was Mm -hmm. not raked off, but this was an incident, it happened on this day at this time, and that's how, um, that's how they uh, There were many instances um, in the story of where a railroader died or was killed, and it always happened at midnight. Uh, There was a Fort Madison man who had been to the hole in the wall and eaten, and he just had this terrible feeling that something was going to happen to him because he had been there and was called to work, and he called Fort Madison and begged to be relieved from duty that night. And they said, no, you can't. You have to bring that train back mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let him off and 20 minutes after he left Marceline he was killed on the train mm-hmm. and then a year later there was a man who ate at the cafe and uh, the lady in white appeared and she pointed her finger at him and he did not want to get on that train and go he was so scared that something would happen and after he left the train derailed and he was killed. And then there was a man who was murdered. He had This was at Christmas time and he had gone home and he was, had been helping his family decorate the Christmas tree and he uh, was going to take a bath. He went in and he threw his water, got in the tub and his family heard a shot and they went in there and the man was dead. There was no gun in the room. There was nobody around and later they found A bullet hole in the screen over the bathroom window and it had come in and had killed him. All of these things happened at midnight and uh, the the writer of the story about the lady in white uh, they talked to many engineers about the investigation of the legend of the woman in white and while he was talking to him it was midnight straight up and down and a fire alarm sounded. And the, the building that the uh, hole in the wall was in, uh, the building, the, the cafe was mm-hmm. in the named the hole in the wall. That building was on fire and there was just a heap of debris left and they felt that this was the last of any incident of the woman in white. And they just thought that this woman in white was tired of waiting for a Christian burial. They always felt, some of the people in town always felt, that she came back to haunt these people and to do these things because it was a railroader who was the father of this child. They didn't know if they were married or not. Mm -hmm. And so it involved the railroad in that way. And if you put her in this well, it was under the floor of this hole-in-the-wall cafe. And she was just tired of waiting for a decent Christian burial. And she just did away with the building and everything. And that was the last that anyone heard of the woman in white. And I suppose that it was a relief to the railroaders. But I imagine for years down the road, they probably Now myself I don't know that this is a story that I would believe it could be one of those stories that we never get to talk to somebody who actually Mm -hmm. knew it except this one man who came to Marceline he lived in Illinois at the time he came here and researched this and wrote about it but who knows it was a wonderful story Mm -hmm. and But maybe that's just exactly what it was. Maybe it was fictional, you know. Maybe it was a good murder story, you know. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that if it was true that a movie wasn't made of it, you know. But maybe there wasn't a book ever written on it, just a story. So maybe we should investigate this. Carrie, why don't you (laughs) write a book on this and (laughs) have a movie made. Okay. And remember (laughs) me and your (laughs) will. Oh!